It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Not Is Nostalgia podcast. It is Wednesday, which means the band has gone to nursery. The pot of Yorkshire is on the go and we're going to take a deep dive into the decade that we haphazardly label the noughties, the 2000s, and to the football of its time. This is the Not Is Nostalgia podcast, episode 48. We are going to troll through your suggestions of the best players to never play Premier League football. We've got some very, very big names in there. We're also going to be discussing in the second half of the show the Galacticos of Real Madrid, both waves, the 2000s and the 2010s, in the hunt for La Decima. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a lovely five-star review wherever you get your podcasts, be it Acast, Spotify, Apple or Amazon. And if you are liking content like this, if you're feeling extra generous... Head over to our Patreon page, that's patreon.com forward slash whatifootball and for a small monthly donation of £3 a month you can get extra podcasts and extra content 350 days a year. Let's get stuck into today's show. And without further ado, let's push on to your suggestions, the best players to never play in the Premier League. And to kick things off, we've got a very, very obvious one, haven't we? Kicking it with Connor Podcast, at Every Football Fan, and Lee Noble, all on Twitter, suggested the one man, obviously, who it could be, Lionel Messi. Quite simply put, he's, I'm going to put this in quotation marks, arguably the greatest of all time. I'm not entering into those realms, but in current times inarguably the best player in contemporary times to never play Premier League football. Thankfully, we've got Cristiano Ronaldo's time at Manchester United to thank for that being a non-issue there. I think the argument of greatest of all time is definitely a conversation for a different podcast. I'm not going to enter into that at all, especially with the tribalism of social media and Twitter as it is. The old mode of thinking was people may think he wouldn't adapt to the physicality of the Premier League the wet windy nights in Stoke which is to put it bluntly bollocks 
Uh, if you're good enough to the point of being world class, if you're good enough to the point of being putting it on one of these lists like this, it just does not matter. The same conversations are likely to be made about Rafael Varane to Manchester United, aren't they? Um, but it's like people treating foreign sport as foreign football as a different sport almost, and it's not as though Lionel Messi's record against English opposition isn't any good. Putting it into the factor of intense Champions League knockout ties, Lionel Messi has 27 goals against 34 matches. So that's roughly a goal a game in hugely important fixtures against the best that England have to offer. Now translate that to playing against Brentford or a Stoke, for example, um, which Andy Greer once said about a decade ago when he was on Sky Imagine him against them, it'd be well over a goal a game, wouldn't it? Uh, people use the one-club argument as a stick to beat Messi with, particularly in the debate between Messi and Ronaldo, who's better. Um, he still had to shoulder the burden of Barcelona, mainly on his own shoulders, for at least for the past you know five, six years, when uh, Xavi and Iniesta have gone. So he's, he's definitely a high-pressure environment. He's still, he's still got to win the leagues. He's still got to win the Champions League, of which he's won... The one in, it would have been in the team, wouldn't have been in the 18 in 2006's final, but he was part of the team 2009, 2011, 2015, of course. So he's still got four Champions League medals to his name. So, and what's the alternative, Ronaldo, in this uh, comparison? Ronaldo, who's won in Spain, England, Portugal, and Italy, admittedly, and um, obviously his inclusion in England in the Premier League. Makes this the obvious first pick, Lionel Messi, to never play in the Premier League because of Ronaldo's fantastic record for Manchester United in the Premier League. And thankfully, there's no need for the tired old debate, Messi versus Ronaldo. Another Ronaldo is our next suggestion. Ronaldo, courtesy of James, Anglo-Italian podcast, great podcast, Maracas Flute and Wix TAFC. And in a certain time frame, I am inclined to believe this would be one of the best things ever I'd love I would have loved to have seen Ronaldo in the Premier League he's definitely involved in this conversation pre-2000 I think he would have absolutely torn apart the league um, let's just have a look at the leagues he was in from an early age um, obviously he played for PSV Ajax weren't too bad in the mid-90s you might recall they were in a Champions League final two Champions League finals they won it in 95 and um, he dominated in that year with uh, Barcelona League Cup Winners Cup um, dominated that in terms of goals, that fantastic, marvel, marvellous uh, slaloming run that he scored um, for Barcelona, the pick of those, and they played in Serie A for five years, easily the best league of the time, of the 90s especially. Teams like Inter Milan, who he played for, Juventus winning the Champions League, got AC Milan, fantastic team at the start of the 90s, and again in the 2000s, winning the uh, Champions League twice, 2003 and 2007, with that loss in the final in between and obviously returned to La Liga and even after the injuries overcoming the injuries the 2002 World Cup where he was just peerless and um, with Real Madrid fantastic the hat-trick against Manchester United in 2003 at Old Trafford where he's applauded off the pitch for example what an absolutely stunning footballer one of my favourite footballers of all time um, and in a time in the 90s where Premier League was probably the third or fourth best league in Europe behind the Bundesliga, Serie A and La Liga he would have absolutely destroyed the Premier League coming up against the likes of Charlton, Coventry, Crystal Palace and other teams that don't begin with C 
he would have broken records. If he stuck around, he would have been in the 100 club with ease, even without, even with the injuries. Um, and before the crippling injuries, he was unplayable. And um, I believe that if he hadn't have had those injuries, he would have ascended to Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo levels. So yes, he's definitely in this conversation. Another Brazilian has been suggested by Peter15, Ronaldinho. I think the only thing holding Ronaldinho back really in his career was his longevity, was his own commitment to it, his temperament really. He's shown his quality on his very best days against Premier League clubs, for example. That toe poke against Chelsea, um, it would have been a great addition to not only the Premier League, but um, the showboat segment on Soccer AM that they had every week. I believe if it had been in the Premier League, it would have probably had a lifespan of a cheetah, brief but bright spell, very quick. Um, insanely skillful, perhaps the most skillful player of all time. And looking at the creative sparks in the Premier League around this time, I, Ronaldinho's head and shoulders above all of them. And he would have been still that Ballon d'Or worthy player um, had he factored into the Premier League in his career. HH suggests Paolo Maldini and simply put one of the best defenders to ever play the sport. And me personally, I put him in a bracket with... Berese, Beckenbauer, more, perhaps more contemporary suggestions could be a Sergio Ramos as well. And um, his longevity right from the 80s to the 2000s, his career crept into the 2010s as well. He would have been absolutely apt in the um, in the Premier League. He definitely would have suited the Premier League game in the 90s. Um, the Rolls-Royce of a defender phrase, the euphemism is used a lot. Um, I'd probably liken it to Rio Ferdinand, Paolo Maldini essentially as well. It definitely applies to him. Um, he should be in this higher bracket for this discussion. He's without doubt top five defenders of all time. And in the Premier League, in the 90s where it wasn't as quick, I mean, Maldini could deal with quick attackers, but especially in the 90s, he would have he would have been a mainstay of any big Premier League team, Manchester United, Arsenal's the big teams of the time. Likewise, FT LOL's suggestion, another fantastic podcast, Lillian Taram. Probably on a lower shelf than Paolo Maldini, but by no means for me is that a detriment to Taram. Obviously a World Cup winner with France in 98, European champion with France in 2000. Pledges part for the likes of Parma when they were very good in Europe and Juventus later on. And of his time, one of the best defenders of the world at the turn of the century. May have been the best, second best defender in the Premier League behind Maldini if he got into the uh, Premier League, if they were both there, of course. And I th- I'm a huge fan of Lillian Taram, one of the better defenders of the 90s and the 2000s, could play out wide through the middle, had it all pretty much. And he would have been, yeah, one of the best fullbacks ever to play in the Premier League if he had the chance, maybe after he went to Parma, if there was a move to an Arsenal, if they were willing to splash the cash, Chelsea were a bit um, heavy-handed with the old money in the early 2000s, even before the takeover, so he would have been fantastic there as well, and he would have been a delight to see in the Premier League. Likewise, a bit of an older uh, suggestion here, but uh, from Vineg, um Diego Maradona and to be fair, I waited a while to unleash this one, but he's up there with the greatest of all time, isn't he? And uh, the top five, Pele, Maradona, Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo for me personally. I don't know who the fifth is. May do a segment on that, but uh, somewhere down the line. But yeah, for me, he's up there with Messi as one of the best players to never play in the Premier League. 
if he'd come to England in the 80s, obviously he'd have missed the Premier League, but if he'd come to England in the 80s, he would have been by far the best player to play in the Premier League. If he'd have kept up, if we'd have transplanted him 10 years into the future in the 90s or even contemporary times, he'd have slotted right into it. He wouldn't have looked out of place at all. The skill, obviously, is without question. The physicality of him, he could handle anybody really maybe his temperament his lifestyle maybe goes against him but I had no doubt that he would have loved the Premier League to play in there with um, some bruising battling defenders as was the uh, the caricature of the time of the 90s and the Premier League probably would have loved him as well hand of God aside (laughs) obviously Um, but yeah one of the best one of the best footballers of all time and probably his character, his whole round character, his skill, obviously, he's probably is ahead of Luis Suarez by a country mile, obviously, but I I probably attribute how people would worship Luis Suarez to how they would worship him, obviously. You'd hate to pl- hate him if he played against you. You'd absolutely love him if he was in your team and he would play, be able to play in any era and be one of the best players of all time. So he has to be in this conversation, really. Gav Mack has got a very shrewd suggestion here and it's Gary Lineker. Obviously, Gary Lineker played in England in the 70s, 80s and for the start of the 90s, but just missed out on the Premier League. And um, Lineker, of course, left English football after the shackles of the Hazel disaster were placed on English clubs going into European competition, most notably Everton, who he played for at the time, which meant he couldn't play the, in the European Cup which necessitated his move to Barcelona. He moved back to Spurs once the ban was lifted, of course, and shifted his career 20 years into the future. He would have remained in England, I believe, unless a huge club comes in for him, like a Real Madrid or Barcelona, the only two names I could think of that could really... Maybe even Juventus or an Italian team, or AC Milan, perhaps. His poaching abilities would be fantastic in the 90s and the early 2000s as well. And in terms of the Premier League all-time scoring record, it would have definitely rivaled Alan Shearer for that particular record, especially given a decade and a half in the Premier League. Like what Shearer got, he'd definitely got above 200 goals for pretty much any team. He would be mid-table, top top half of the table, big, big uh, team. He would have definitely fitted in right in there for a Chelsea, for an Arsenal for a Man United Blackburn, for example, Newcastle, you would have, uh, even Leicester towards the end of the 90s when they won the League Cups and uh, everything, you would have definitely scored an absolutely hatful of goals in that era and deservingly one of the best players to never play in the Premier League. My personal choice and Radio Tech's choice here though is Zinedine Zidane, absolutely of his time, um, plopping him in the number 10 role in a Premier League team or as a second striker in Premier League terms in the 90s, he would have been absolutely head and shoulders the best player in the Premier League of the 90s, of the 2000s. He would have lifted the league's talent up probably on his own and um, thinking about number 10s that are around in this sort of era that he inhabited in the Premier League, I could only think of Gianfranco Zola, perhaps Dennis Bergkamp, who at that time could mention Paul Scholes, but he was he flitted from either striker or midfield, really, didn't he? And so Zola and Bergkamp are probably the only number tens, true number tens, who were very successful in the Premier League around this time. And Zinedine Zidane, head and shoulders above them. English football at the time was sort of in style shift from a 4-4-2 to a 4-2-3-1, 4-3-3 sort of hybrid. 
Um, and he would have dragged the entire country into the 21st century with uh, how he played football, the creative fulcrum in a midfield in a 10. And to me, even watching him in a testimonial after, long after he'd retired, you could still see the up close in uh, the flesh just how fantastic he was. And I wish I'd have probably won the one player, maybe alongside George Best, definitely in this conversation as well, um, who I would have loved to have seen live in his pomp, in his peak, and easily one of the best players ever to have played the sport, probably in the, easily in the top 10 for me anyway. Uh, a couple of my suggestions before we uh, head into the second half of the show. Obviously, you can split this down pre-1992. Obviously, players such as George Best, Bobby Child, and anybody of the the uh, pre-1992, even the World Cup winning team for 1966, Bobby Moore, any English players player who were mildly successful would have been fantastic in the Premier League, of course. goes without saying, but uh, the bigger names from the wider world of football, likes of Di Stefano, French Puskas, insanely good goal-getters, Eusebio as well, Gerd Muller. Um, bit further back, Franz Beckenbauer, arguably the best defender of all time. you got Johan Cruyff in there, up there for potentially the fifth-best player of all time, in my opinion. Michel Platini, Marco Van Basten, of course. Romario, you've got to admittedly is more in uh, Premier League times. So in that vein, let's go to players who were sort of around in the Premier League era, but never made the jump to the Premier League. Now we've got Pavel Nedved, who would have been an absolutely sublime acquisition on the wing for Chelsea in like 2003, if they had the earnest to... If they had the pull to get him, then that would have been superb. Kind of like an Ian Robin type figure for Chelsea, but a bit more experienced. Um, Gigi Buffon, of course, uh, the best goalkeeper ever. Lumpin Ica Casillas with that as well. Uh, two of the best goalkeepers ever to have lived. Um, put in the previous section, Levy Ashin as well. <laughs> um, Rivaldo, of course, absolutely superb on his day. Dragged Barcelona to many many occasion on his own sometimes. Cafu, one of the world's best ever right-backs. And on the other flank for Brazil, um, Roberto Carlos. I would love to have seen him at full-back in the Premier League. He would have lit up the Premier League, something shocking. Um, almost got a move to Birmingham. I did a what-if on that on YouTube. Check it out. <laughs> Didn't go well for Birmingham, really. Um, Xavi Niniesta in midfield. Just... Incredible, insurmountable um, talent that they had in that midfield three would have, with Busquets obviously, would have absolutely transformed English football, brought it um, on about a decade or so, I imagine. Uh, Lota Mateus, either as a sweeper in his later days or as a midfielder, superb. Kaka, for a time, was peerless, even in a world with Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo and Injuries aside, I think he would have done a fantastic job as a number 10, as Zinedine Zidane's spiritual successor almost. Um, if he'd have come to England, if he'd have signed for Manchester City, and again, don't know what if on that as well. And uh, looking a bit further back, you've got Roberto Baggio, insanely skillful footballer of the 90s and early 2000s as well, to be fair. Luis Figo was um, a talismanic figure for Barcelona, for Real Madrid. Inter Milan for a bit as well, uh, Portugal obviously, as they return to tournament football a bit more regularly. Oliver Kahn, another fantastic goalkeeper, um, peerless alongside the likes of Buffon Casillas of his day. 
Um, the only World Cup player to win the Best Player Award and be a goalkeeper. Something matched at the Euros this summer with uh, Gigi Donnarumma. And you've got the likes of Raul, phenomenal goal scorer. Antoine Griezmann, still got time for that to happen, but slightly unlikely really now, isn't it? Likewise for Neymar, getting to uh, his 30s now and may command a bit too much wages. And uh, Neymar would be... It would be a nice experiment, wouldn't it? It could go the way of Rubinho where he just gets kicked off the park or he could just show truly how good he is and how underrated he is. And as a footballer, really, he's fantastic and people give him too much flack, I think, for uh, perceived diving and play-acting. And also Frank Ribéry and all along the same lines as Iron Robin, they absolutely dominated the Bundesliga in the mid-2010s. Even Iron Robin had a bit of a footprint in the Premier League, so I'd like to think that Frank Ribéry would do so as well. A bit more, perhaps a bit more dedicated, a bit tricky, a bit faster, and I think he would probably uphold a bit bit more than uh, Iron Robin in the Premier League around the 2000s, late, early 2010s as well. And speaking of all this hugely good, fantastic contemporary talent that you could build a dream team out of, a team in the 2000s tried to do something like that in real life and of course they are the Galacticos of Real Madrid and after the short break we'll be discussing that very, very team. Welcome back. The Magical Magyars, the Wingless Wonders, Total Football. All these names and monikers of football teams evoke styles of play, they evoke success, nostalgia, memories. And then we've got, in the modern era, the Galacticos. And this, for me, evokes a lot of things. It was modern football for me, turned up to 11 before modern football went that bit much more crazy. Uh, This was the 2000s. This wasn't the TV money bloating things in the 2010s. It wasn't Italian football running ragged in the 1990s, but it was simply one team going crazy with the cash in 2000s. Presidential promises, bank loans to keep them afloat. And it was all the brainchild of largely one man, Florentino Perez. And Florentino, he came in two waves, both as a president and with his waves of marquee signings is the best way to put it and it's pointless really discussing in this uh in this little section here it's pointless discussing who the Real Madrid managers were because it was a conveyor belt of managers they came and went irrespective of success your pankers can attest to this he won the Champions League with Real Madrid in 1998 and was sacked for his negative football so it's best here to to discuss the president because he's the more of the mainstay in Real Madrid rather than the manager. So in 2000, Real Madrid were coming off the back of two Champions Leagues in quick succession in 1998 and in 2000. Real Madrid were European champions. Perez took to the presidency in the summer of 2000. He inherited the likes of Raul, Roberto Carlos, Michel Salgado, Fernando Hierro, Ica Casillas, all figureheads of this team and all would become inextricably linked to Real Madrid in the 2000s. So the question was, would Florentino Perez ease into this new role? Would he test the waters maybe with a couple of signings? Um, no. Uh, to call the <laughs> to call the Luis Figo transfer explosive would be an understatement. This was a year, in, a year before Sol Campbell moved to Arsenal from Tottenham, but this was Sol Campbell from Arsenal, from Tottenham to, to Arsenal on steroids. We had the pig's head thrown at Luis Figo from a corner. 
we had serious uh, death threats and everything else that came with it. Um, Figo was obviously one of the biggest players in Spain at the time, the best Portuguese player they'd probably had since Eusebio. Um, and he was moving across uh, battle lines there from Barcelona to Real Madrid in a time where Real Madrid probably had a lot more of a foothold than Barcelona did at the time. The quieter but more crucial transfer of this summer, though, was Claude Makélélé from Celta Vigo for €14 million, Euros, perhaps more crucial to the overall balance of things at the Bernabeu. Um, these were the days of very little competition in La Liga. The expectation was Real Madrid or Barcelona would win the league. Uh, could say it's not quite changed all that much <laughs> in the intervening two decades, really, with a couple of sniffs of Valencia, of Deportivo, if you remember them, <laughs> Sevilla, Atletico Madrid, etc. Valencia, though, they were desperate for Champions League success. Successive finals they'd been in in the Champions League in 2000 and 2001, of course, lost to Real Madrid in 2000. In Paris, lost to AC Milan, uh, Bayern Munich rather, in 2001 in the San Siro. They were in a bum fight with Barcelona. Barcelona shot down the table after losing Luis Figo and only won Champions League football on the final day against Valencia, that absolute masterclass from Rivaldo. Mallorca were third, which goes to illustrate the point that uh, La Liga was hardly ultra competitive. Obviously, Mallorca at this time, they had Samuel Eto in their ranks and of course... Could have been a contender for the uh, previous the previous segment had he not played for Chelsea and Everton, of course. Deportivo were the champions 99-2000, the first champions of the millennium, but they couldn't keep up improving their points tally, but they moved down from first to second. So 2001-2002, they hadn't retained the Champions League, Real Madrid. They'd won the league, were Perez in for a difficult second season, not on the transfer front anyway, Perez blew up in the transfer fee record, £47 million on Zinedine Zidane. And the jewel in their crown was the sixth, was the ninth Champions League and Zinedine Zidane captured that by scoring that particular goal at Hamden against Bayer Leverkusen, that stunning volley, and repaid the £47 million in one goal, almost. <laughs> and uh, The league title wasn't retained by Vicente Del Bosque. One year went by and another huge transfer it seems as a, a marquee transfer had to happen every year to keep Real Madrid ticking along. And off the back of an absolutely superb 2002 World Cup, Ronaldo came in from Inter Milan. Oh, phenomeno. And yeah, he was the biggest player, the most well-known player at the time. And so the optics were there for Real Madrid to sign the best player in the world. He would win the Ballon d'Or. He's a world champion. And the stage was set for Ronaldo to uh, win the league, win the Champions League perhaps, but of course Real Madrid get knocked out in the semi-finals. Now in this time, Real Madrid had an absolutely superb, peerless defence really. Michel Salgado on the right, Ivan Halguera and Fernando Hierro struck up a superb partnership in the middle. Roberto Carlos was potentially the best left back in the world alongside Paolo Maldini. Claude Makélélé was still hanging in there in the central midfield. The balance was wobbling slightly with each passing Zidane, Figo, Ronaldo. Obviously, Raúl was there. And in this time, Real Madrid, the uh, the balance was wobbling slightly, but they still won the league title. Del Bosque roared back to win the league title in contention for a treble, got knocked out of the Copa quarterfinals, the semifinals of the Champions League. And perhaps the biggest Galactico followed, not by talent, 
But in star quality, in celebrity, absolutely, definitely, David Beckham came in. So in this midfield now, you've got Zinedine Zidane, Luis Figo, Claude Makélélé, David Beckham, and up front you've got Raúl and Ronaldo. What an absolutely superb team. But unfortunately, Makélélé and David Beckham will never play together because Makélélé was out and it was rather the two departures that blew a hole in Real's team that was crucial to their future really. Fernando Hierro admittedly was 35 uh, but Real Madrid didn't replace him. Claude Makélélé was never replaced and it is for me the main reason why Real Madrid didn't gain La Decima as soon as quickly as they did. Um, the midfield balance was gone. The stalwart at the back was gone, wasn't replaced. It wouldn't be replaced until a year later with Walter Samuel. But again, Samuel on the face of it was a fantastic acquisition, but he only lasted a, a year in Real Madrid. And a lot of these signings, yeah, Jonathan Woodgates, Michael Owens, Thomas Gravesons, they didn't last too long either in hardly a picturesque summer in 2004 for a uh, on the transfer front for old uh, our old friend there, Florentino Perez. They went through three managers in the 2004-05 season, didn't win anything, and Perez finally departs February 2006, signing everything he could before leaving the likes of Antonio Cassano, Julio Baptista, Rubinho, and of course Sergio Ramos, which wouldn't, on the face of it then, feel like a Galactico, but now, after his departure, after a decade and a half, he's definitely, definitely Galactico, one of Real Madrid's best ever players, it can now safe to be say, said. Whilst the likes of Luis Figo, Michael Owen, Walter Samuel all departed, we were now inhabiting the existence of Real Madrid's Champions League phase where they just went out of the last 16 phase over and over and over again. Um, the league was finally recaptured after four long years under Fabio Capello, outside of uh, Florentino Perez's purview, of course. And after this league title win, you've got the likes of Zidane. Zidane, Ronaldo, Beckham, they were all gone Cannavara, Fabio Cannavara, of course, World Cup winner with Italy. Fantastic defender, one of the best defenders. Arguably could have been in that segment, in the first segment, really, is one of the best centre-halves of his time. Emerson and Ruud van Nistelrooy, they all came in, but they didn't They didn't have that Galactico sheen. Cannavara almost, um, but then 2009, wave two. Florentino Perez was back and with the sole aim of capturing La Decima, the 10th Champions League that they had ever won. No club has ever come close to winning that amount of Champions League, but of course, as we know, in 2014, under Carlo Ancelotti, Real Madrid finally did that. And in the summer of 2009 was a huge overturn of players. Pick this out for a departure lounge, for example. Ruud van Nistelrooy, Ian Robben, Wesley Snyder, Klaas-Jan Huntelaar, those are just the Dutch players, for example. Michel Salgado, Gabriel Heinze, Fabio Cannavari and Javier Saviola all departed. But the kicker was four players that Perez brought in. Perez was at his best. I don't think any any sort of team has ever built a couple of players like this in just inside one window on names alone. Kaka, Cristiano Ronaldo, Xabi Alonso, Karim Benzema. Now, of course, we know... Kaká wouldn't have the career that he was destined to have at Real Madrid. He would go back to AC Milan, he would go back to Brazil without doing too much for Real Madrid. But those other three, absolutely, definitely two of Real Madrid's top goal scorers. Xabi Alonso won countless things with Real Madrid. Obviously, they all come 
convened on Real Madrid's four Champions Leagues in five years. And the Galacticos were officially back, but the Galacticos now were with some substance. It took five years or so. It took a Jose Mourinho reign to build them up slightly. Of course, in this time, a time that only yielded a copper and a league title, they were fighting tooth and nail, literally almost sometimes. Again, it's one of the best club teams ever assembled. Pep Guardiola's Barcelona, Messi, Xavi, Iniesta, Puyol, Piquet, etc, etc, etc. And Real Madrid continued to add a couple of names, Angel Di Maria, Ricardo Cavallo, Mesut Ozil, Sami Khedira, not Galactico, so to speak, in the same vein as blindly adding names who were popular, but admittedly, yeah, very, very, very good footballers. And um, I think to be a Galactico, you have to be a big name or turn out at a major tournament and make this snap decision. Ozil and Khedira off the back of the 2010 World Cup as well. Could be factored into that to a lesser degree, you might say. But that summer of 2009, Kaká, Ronaldo, Benzema, Alonso were definitely, definitely uncategorically Galacticos. James Rodriguez in 2014, a lesser extent, he could be categorised as a Galactico. But as we know, Real Madrid would win three Champions Leagues in a row, become the first team to ever retain the Champions League and the first team since the 70s and the Bayern Munich team to win the Champions League or European Cup three times in a row. And this was rubber stamped by one final Galactico. He's definitely a Galactico, purely based on the money they spent on him. Gareth Bale came in for 85 million. Of course, the main aim of La Decima was achieved in 2014. Thanks in part to signings such as Isco, Casemiro, Luka Modric, admittedly, who were probably not Galacticos, but fantastic players who fit into a system. And that probably can't be said for all of the Galacticos with that hugely talented midfield, but a midfield without balance. Now, going into the 2014 season, you had Tony Kroos, you had Luka Modric and you had Casemiro. Also, you've got Isco, Marco Asensio, all these players, they had roles in a system, whereas in the Real Madrid team at the turn of the century, the mid-2000s, that wasn't so clear and it was almost more reputation over system and definitely fantasy stuff. This is the closest that we have ever got, perhaps with the exception of Roman Abramovich's early days at Chelsea, see 2003 to about 2006, of a chairman or a manager or a sporting director just going full FIFA. Football manager turned up to 11 with the with the editor on and changing your bank balance, all that stuff. Um, this is as close as we've ever got to that in terms of prime level, peak level football. Um, likely with the likes of FFP, whether that stays or not, we don't know. Is anyone's guess. I think we've seen the last days of this sort of ridiculous spending, especially during these times, financial times that we're living in at the moment, at least for some decade or so, you'd have to think or hope if you're that way inclined. Next week, we're quickly approaching deadline day across all of Europe for transfers. Uh, I, for one, I hate transfer season because <laughs> purely because of the rumour, but we'll be looking at the the best and the worst of deadline day we'll also be taking a look at Andrei Shevchenko in a completely unrelated note as well so until then see you there.
Social Podcast Network. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.